Most people would probably say that the opposite of joy is sorrow. But I would say that the opposite of joy at this time of the year, at least, is not sorrow. Rather, it's circumstances. And I say that because our sorrow at this time of the year, during these four weeks of Advent, is usually rooted in circumstances. Negative circumstances, challenging circumstances, discouraging, depressing circumstances, either in our own lives, in the lives of members of our families, or somewhere out there in the world. I'm sure that we can all remember bad things that have happened in years past, just before Christmas. When I was a student at Providence College, for example, they had a terrible dorm fire in Aquinas Hall. One night, mid-December, just before exams were scheduled to begin, ten young women died in that fire. I think of that tragedy every single December. It's one of the negative circumstances I have to deal with during the season of Advent. Getting diagnosed with Parkinson's disease two days before Christmas last year will be another one that I can add to my list from now on, at least until I get cured or healed. We all have our lists, do we not? Maybe you lost your job this month or some December in the past, maybe December last year, and maybe you've been out of a job ever since. Perhaps someone you love died this December or in a December in the recent past, last December, the December before that, whatever. Or perhaps it's just the moral decline and growing secularization of society that has you down. Something that was symbolized so well in our state a couple of weeks ago by our own governor, who, sad to say, does not seem to know what a Christmas tree is. Talk about a depressing circumstance. And then we come to Mass on this third Sunday of Advent, and the Church tells us to rejoice. That's the operative word for the third Sunday of Advent. We hear it over and over again. Rejoice. In our first reading, Isaiah says, I rejoice heartily in the Lord, in my God is the joy of my soul. In the responsorial psalm, we say or sing, as the case might be, my soul rejoices in my God. And then St. Paul tells us in this text from 1 Thessalonians 5, to rejoice always. Not just sometimes, not just in good circumstances on sunny days in July, not just when things are going well in your life. He says, do this all the time. Today is Gaudete Sunday. It's the Sunday when we light the pink candle on our Advent wreath, signifying that Advent is more than half over and that Christmas is fast approaching. Gaudete is a Latin word that literally means rejoice. It's a command. It's an imperative. Given to us by Jesus through his church. But it's a tough command for us to follow, is it not? As much as we might like to, 
because of those negative circumstances I mentioned earlier. Now, to some extent, let's be honest about it, these realities are always present in our lives and in our world. However, they do seem to have more of a negative impact on us at this time of the year. And I think that's because with all the festivity, with all the celebrating going on around us, it can seem like everybody else is perfectly happy and having a grand old time of things. But that's an illusion. As I indicated a few moments ago, everybody has a list. Everybody has a list of negative circumstances that threatens to undermine their joy. Even if they don't seem to have a list, trust me, they've got one. So here's the situation we find ourselves in during this holy season and to some extent throughout the whole year. Either our negative circumstances will overcome our joy or our joy will overcome those negative circumstances. It really is either one or the other. If the circumstances win out in us, we will be miserable. If joy wins out, then we'll be able to rejoice in the way that our scriptures today tell us we're supposed to. And we'll be able to do that in spite of our problems. The problems probably won't disappear, but we'll be able to rejoice anyway. In this regard, I came across something very interesting the other day in a homily by Father Roger Landry, who's a priest from the Diocese of Fall River. In this talk that I came across online, Father Landry lists four things that can rob us of our joy. Four things, in other words, that can cause negative circumstances to win the victory in us. See if you can identify with any of these. The first is self-pity, feeling sorry for yourself. That can easily happen, right? Oh, woe is me. I have so many problems. I have so many more problems than other people have. I have more cooking to do at this time of the year. I have more baking to do at this time of the year. I have more shopping to do than anybody else. I have more aches and pains than anybody else. I got to go to St. Pius and listen to Father Ray every Sunday. What a torture that is. Oh, woe is me. You know the kind of litany I'm talking about. The second is worry. That's one I have to battle because I can tend to be a warrior at times. Worry and joy cannot coexist any more than self-pity and joy can coexist. In his homily, Father Landry mentioned Pope John XXIII, who was the Pope at the very beginning of the Second Vatican Council. In fact, he's the Pope who called the Council. He had, obviously, an awful lot to worry about being in charge of the Universal Church. But Pope John conquered that worry through prayer by consciously and consistently putting his own life and the life of the Church into God's hands. Father Landry wrote, Pope John XXIII, who had responsibility for the whole Church, used to go in to visit the Lord in his private chapel each night and give the problems back to God, saying, It's your church, Lord. I'm going to bed. <laughs> you know, sometimes the simplest prayers are the best. And that's one we can all adopt 
for our own lives with your families and everything. Lord, I put my family in your hands. We have all these problems. I know you'll work them out. I'm going to bed. The third thing that can undermine joy happens, Father Landry says, and here I quote, when we place our happiness in something other than God, on acclaim, advancement, promotion, recognition, fame, prestige, power, money, anything. And this is exactly what the world encourages us to do at this time of year, is it not? No wonder so many people are miserable at this time of the year. The cultural message we get, especially in the media, but from everywhere, really, over and over again is, in December, buy this and you'll be happy. Drink this and you'll be happy. Eat this, you'll be happy. Get this game, you'll be happy. Have this at your party, you'll be happy. You'll have Christmas joy in your heart. What a lie. And deep down, we know it's a lie. But there are a lot of people that believe the lie, or at least they act like they believe the lie. Which brings us to the fourth reality that can ruin joy, complaining. Chronic complainers are fixated on the negative, and being fixated on the negative makes rejoicing almost impossible. As Father Landry put it, we lose our joy by complaining. And then he added, some of us would have complained about the menu at the Last Supper. I'm sure that's not true of anybody here, but apparently it was true of some people in his parish. The final point that needs to be made in all this concerns the alternative. Yes, self-pity, worry, focusing on things other than God and complaining, all those realities can rob us of joy. True enough. So what's the alternative? What is it that will deepen our joy at this time of the year, and in every other month for that matter? What is it that will give us the ability to rejoice always, as St. Paul tells us to in today's second reading? Well, the answer is really very simple, but it's extremely hard to put into practice. We need to focus on what we know by faith to be true. We need to focus on what we know by faith to be true. In other words, we need to reflect, to reflect and meditate on what we believe about God and about life, about reality, about ourselves. Not surprisingly, this is where Isaiah the prophet found his joy. Notice what it says in that first reading. Remember that line I quoted earlier? Isaiah says, I rejoice heartily in the Lord. Those are three very important words in that sentence. He didn't say, I rejoice in things, I rejoice in other people, I rejoice in the good circumstances of my... No, he said, I rejoice in the Lord. In my God is the joy of my soul. That's different. The psalm refrain, which incidentally is a direct quote from Mary in her Magnificat, has the very same message. My soul rejoices in my God. Mary and Isaiah understood this principle very well. That's why they're saints. So the bottom line is this, my brothers and sisters. God created you personally out of his infinite love. He created you in his image and likeness. He loves you. 
eternally, perfectly, completely, unconditionally. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, into this world 2,000 years ago to save you personally from your sins and to give you personally a kingdom that will last forever. He will never abandon you, ever, and will always provide for your needs. Those are some of the foundational truths of our Catholic faith. They were true yesterday when I gave this homily. They're true today. They'll be true tomorrow and every day thereafter. That means they will be true in the best circumstances of our lives and in the absolute worst circumstances of our lives. So we can always rejoice in them because they're unchanging. They're timeless. My health may change, and it certainly has in the last year. My family may change, my friends may change, my job situation may change. But the truth of who God is and what he's done for me personally, that's never going to change. So that's where my focus and yours needs to be in December and always.